Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. This is so good to see all you guys here tonight. Uh, for those of you, just real quick, for those of you guys I've never had the opportunity to meet, uh, my name is Quentin Self. Uh, this is my wife, Jennifer. We have the great privilege of uh, serving the Anchor Church as lead pastors. Um, you know, and I'll just say this, uh, you know, if you are a longtime family member or if this is your first time with us tonight or if you land somewhere in between, we're just so grateful that you had come and, and celebrate Easter with us tonight. So listen, before we get into the message, I want to read a verse out of Matthew chapter 20, and I just want you to lean in with me if you can. But it simply says this. It says that Jesus took the 12 disciples aside privately and told them what was going to happen to him. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die. Then they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, flogged with a whip, and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Gang, those verses are not only the Easter message in a nutshell, but they also explain why we're here celebrating tonight, right? The bottom line is, is whatever you think, Jesus is alive. Amen? So listen, I, I just want you to know that all across this room, I know there's people that have had personal encounters with Jesus. And I want you to know that your life is a testimony that the gospel is real. Because the bottom line, God changed your life. And every day you live and breathe and you walk around, you testify that today we have a risen Savior. Amen? Amen. So listen, I'm going to do something that may be a little strange for some of y'all, especially if you're visiting. Uh, but, but I'm kind of crazy in the sense of this, is that I believe that Easter should be the happiest service we have all year. And, and so in my head, I'm sitting here kind of struggling, like, why does it feel so stuffy in the room? Look, I'm so unorthodox. See, years ago, I met this guy. His name is Jesus. He changed my life. And, and it's been 26 years, and I haven't been able to figure out church yet. Right? Like, like I met a living God. And so I'm going to ask you to, to do me a favor tonight. Whatever your preconceived idea is that we got to come and do some religious act tonight, can you just kind of scoot that to the side? Like if you got issues in your heart tonight, can you scoot that to the side? Because I didn't come here to just play church tonight. I came here because I believe people need an opportunity to meet Jesus. And I believe there's people in here that have been walking with Jesus for a while. They need to be reintroduced again to the resurrected Savior. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you guys that love Jesus with all your heart to press in with me and let's kind of break the atmosphere and let's kind of get hungry for Jesus. Can we do that? Can we do that? Please. All right. So Jesus, we absolutely adore you. God, we didn't come to play games tonight. God, we came to declare and to celebrate that you are alive. Father, we thank you tonight that our lives are a living testimony, God, of what your blood can do. Father, we thank you tonight that we're hungry. We thank you tonight that we desire to encounter you. So Lord, we just pray that you blow the cobwebs kind of out of the place today. God, we've been up a long time, so saying that we're sleepy, don't, it don't work right now. It doesn't work. God, we came to the night service because we believe the night service would be good. So, Lord, I ask, God, whatever's in people's hearts, whatever's in the atmosphere that's hindering the moment, God, we just break it in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for a clean atmosphere. Holy Spirit, we simply say, come. 
Come on, can y'all say that with me tonight? Say, Holy Spirit, come. Come on, my Bible says where two or three are gathered in his name, that's folks that are hungry that he's in the midst. That's not folks there to play church. Not folks that are there to play religion, but folks who are hungry, he'll come. And so, Lord, we thank you tonight that you're here. God, if people don't know you in this place tonight, tonight's a really good night to get to know you. So, Jesus, we love you. We honor you. Your name. Amen. All right. So what I want to do tonight is I want to turn our attention uh, to a passage of Scripture uh, that describes the night that Jesus was uh, betrayed and arrested. And what I want to do for the next few minutes is I want to unpack this portion of Scripture. And as we do that, my prayer for literally all throughout the fast, because we've been praying, right, as simply is that God would use tonight, this moment, to speak in a very personal, profound way to every single person in this room. And I hope you heard that every single person in the room. So lean in and believe Jesus is going to talk to you. Amen? All right, so listen, for the sake of time, I want to quickly give some background uh, for what we're about to read. So the Bible says that basically after three and a half years of Jesus having a public ministry where he not only taught the multitude, but he also performed many miracles, there came a moment in time when he realized my time on this earth is coming to an end. And so what he did is he gathered his 12 disciples together and they went in this upper room. He taught them some lessons, but they celebrated the Passover feast, the Passover meal, one final time. Now, as they were gathered around the table that night, something happened that that everybody outside of Jesus didn't expect, and that was this, is that while they sat around the table, the devil put this thought of betraying Jesus into the heart of Judas. And the Bible says that there came a moment where Jesus looked at him and said, do what you need to do and go do it quickly. And so he probably got up from the table and he went and he struck a deal with the religious leaders who hated Jesus. And so in exchange for his disloyalty, This man got 30 pieces of silver, and those folks got a chance to get their hands on Jesus. Now watch this. As the evening unfolded, knowing the horror that awaited him, Jesus went to this garden called Gethsemane and and basically went there with his disciples to pray. Now it was there that he began to uh, sweat great drops of blood as he prayed this single prayer. He prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. He said these profound words, yet not as I will, but as you will. In other words, what he was saying, guys, is this. God, if there's another way, let's do it that way. God, if there's another way for me not to go through this, man, I sure would appreciate it if you show it to me right now. Right? And so what happened is, is he realized in the middle of his praying there was no other way. And so he simply surrendered to his Father's will. And what that does, that brings us to the portion of Scripture we're going to read tonight. So here we go, John chapter 18. It's a powerful portion of Scripture. It says, when Jesus had finished praying, what we just talked about, Judas came into the garden, got an attachment of Roman soldiers and temple police, all of them carrying torches and lanterns and armed with swords and spears. Come on, I want you to picture this with me tonight if you can. It's in the middle of the night. Here's Jesus, the perfect sinless Son of God. He's kneeling in prayer. His soul is in complete turmoil and anguish as he's wrestling with the most difficult decision that will ever be made. And it was this, is should I, can I become the sacrifice of the world? And the moment he said yes, he looks up and what does he see? Somewhere close to 600 armed men coming towards him. Literally, as they're walking down 
weaving in and out the trees, coming down the hillside. Each man is carrying not only a torch, but a weapon. Now understand, we're talking about Jesus here. Like it's crazy to think about that. For literally the last three and a half years, all he did was help people. But here they are, they're armed to the hilt. And, and what happens is, is you're like sitting there going, okay, what did Judas tell these people? Like, what do you tell them, right? And then it goes on to say in verse 4, and this is really our key verse for the day, but it says, in Jesus, knowing full well what was about to happen to him, he stepped forward. Can somebody say, he stepped forward? This says, when he did, he asked, who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. Jesus answered, I am he. And the moment Jesus spoke these words, I am he, they fell backward to the ground. So once more, Jesus asked them, who are you looking for? As they stood up, they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, I told you that I am the one you're looking for. Suddenly, Peter took a sword, struck the high priest's servants, uh, basically, and slashed his ear off. I love Peter. Then verse 11 says, Jesus ordered Peter, put your sword away. Do you really think I will avoid the suffering which my father has assigned to me? Listen, from this point on, the gospel narrative basically gives us this front row seat as this very public uh, drama of Jesus' arrest, trial, crucifixion, ultimately his resurrection unfolds, like front row seat. So listen, over the next couple chapters, if you keep reading them, we, we truly see Man at his worst, and we see God at his best. Right? And the only way I know how to put it is, is as these evil men became puppets in the hands of the devil, Jesus didn't hesitate to step forward to prove that unconditional love is still willing to endure all things, even death on the cross. So what I want to do for the next few minutes is I want to unpack three thoughts out of this portion of Scripture. And those three thoughts are simply this. is how Jesus stepped forward willingly how he stepped forward in authority, and how he stepped forward fully. I believe, literally, that the redemption of mankind, which we all know is the greatest defining moment of history, it hinges on those three words, he stepped forward. Come on, I want you to think about tonight, what would have happened if Jesus would have ran in the other direction? Like, how different would this moment be? How different would your life be if he said, I can't do this, and took off running and hid in a cave that was around there? So let's dive in. Y'all ready? Here's the first point. We said that basically Jesus stepped forward willingly. Remember what we just read. It says, Jesus knowing full well. Somebody say full well. It said knowing full well what was about to happen to him, he stepped forward. Now, what does that mean? This incredible thought means this. It's simply this. Jesus already knew that after he was tried, Pilate would hand him over to the Roman soldiers to be mocked and to be spit on. Come on, church people. Hear this again for the first time. Right? Listen, he knew they would beat him and forcefully shove a crown of thorns on his head, snatch his beard out, strip him down naked, right? And then repeatedly whip him again and again and again with this whip that had leather uh, straps. We know that in that strap they dipped it in oil, then they dipped it in glass, they dipped it in sharp bones, they dipped it in wire, right? They dipped it in all this sharp stuff. And every time that they hit him, it didn't just like, you know, like you spank a kid. No, 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 he grabbed a hold of the flesh. And so when they yanked it out, it literally ripped chunks of flesh out. If you actually study church history, you find out that he basically he was so uh, mangled that his organs were showing from this. See, that's why the Bible tells us, and it's easy to understand, that he was literally beat beyond recognition. In other words, you could hardly even tell he was a man. 
Right? And listen, if that wasn't enough, the Roman soldiers finished their work by nailing him to the cross, right? And the point is simply this, is though even though Jesus knew all of that would happen, like let that sink in. He knew all of that would happen, yet he still willingly stepped forward without a moment of hesitation. Why? Because the Bible says he knew the purpose for which he came. And the Bible also says this, and let this hit you. It simply says this, that without the shedding of blood, Jesus knew without the shedding of his blood, there would be no forgiveness of sins. So listen, I know this supersedes our natural understanding, but the Bible's really, really clear that no one made him do this. Right? That he voluntarily laid down his life as our substitute. That means he took our place. Right? That he willingly said, Father, I'll take the punishment of the whole world's sin. Like, I'll take it. Put it on me. And in return, what happened is the Father dumped it all on him. We just read how. Right? And what happens is, is he got the punishment and we got mercy instead of judgment. Is anybody thankful for that today? Listen, have you ever wondered why he would do that for you? I know I have. And as much as I wrestle with the thought, the truth is it's because he loves us. Right? To understand this moment, that love allowed him to see beyond some temporary pain. It allowed him to see beyond just some temporary moment of brutality. And what did he see? He saw past all that and he saw you. And he saw me. And what did he see? He saw us saved. He saw us whole. He saw us forgiven, set free, healed, delivered. He saw us having a restored relationship with the Father. Gang, what I'm trying to tell you tonight, the Bible says in Hebrews that he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Who was the joy? It was you and it was me. Great place to say amen. Listen, before we move on, because I feel like somebody needs to hear this tonight. little side note. Did you notice his composure in the garden? Say it again. Did you notice his composure in the garden? He wasn't shaking in his boots. Right? He didn't run and hide. But on the contrary, he was unmoved. Like, and I think, you know, I don't know about you, but I read the Bible and I put myself in it. And I just think, man, if I was sitting there that night and I'd been praying and I looked up and I saw 600 people, I'd probably ran pretty quick. They wouldn't have had a chance. Right? This old fat boy would have got on it. Right? So, but, but he didn't run. Why didn't he run? Here's why. Y'all let this sink in. It's because he's the Prince of Peace. So whatever's happening around him, it doesn't move him. Why? Because he's in peace. And see, that's why you and I have to understand that true peace can only be found in him. That's why the Bible says that he made peace through the cross. That's why the Bible says that he offers us perfect peace in whatever situation we're going in. All we have to do is lean into him. So some of us in this room tonight that are longing and wrestling and trying to go to this and trying to go to that because you need peace, because you're trying to do this, you're trying to snort, snort some, trying to drink something, whatever you're trying to do to find peace, it's only found in Jesus. I can promise you that. Second thing I want us to see is this, is that Jesus stepped forward in authority. Remember who was standing in front of him. Nearly 600 strong, well-trained well-armed Roman soldiers who were decked out in full battle attire. Like these guys weren't in their bathrobe. Right? They, were, they had their breastplate on, right? They had their brass helmet on. They had their spike shoes on, their big oblong shield, their sword, right? These folks were ready for a skirmish. 
They were ready for a scuffle, a confrontation. They were ready, right? And so listen, in the natural, Jesus would appear. One man, 600 men, he would appear outmatched. He would appear like he was the weaker in, in, the, in the, you know, the moment, right? Like, like he wasn't in control. But how many of you guys know looks can be deceiving? Right? After all, do we, do we think just for a second that Jesus said, huh, I'm going to go to that garden to hide? No, I think he went to the garden because he wanted to make sure Judas knew where to find him. The Bible says he went there frequently. Go do what you do. I'm going to go where I normally go, and we'll meet you there in a minute. It's kind of like the old days. I remember in high school, uh, there used to be this gas station, and, uh, and, and basically we just knew, hey, meet me there after school, and that meant we're going to go to that gas station, and we're going to get in a fist fight. Right? We didn't have a flagpole. We fought at the, at the little local grocery store. Right? Rednecks. (laughs) Yeah. But watch what happened. Verse 4. When Jesus stepped forward, he said this. He said, who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. I can hear the cockiness. Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. And Jesus answered, I am he. See, I think a lot of times we read that and we think Jesus would simply identify himself like he was in 10th grade math class here. Like, that's not even close. Listen, when he said, I am he, that translates in the original Greek language. He said, the I am is here. If you're not Bible savvy, what he simply said was, is the Almighty is here. When he stepped forward, he stepped forward in power because he stepped forward as God. See, and it says in verse 6, it says, In the moment Jesus spoke these words, I am he, a supernatural power was released, and it was as if an invisible bomb detonated, and they fell backwards to the ground. It actually means in the original language that they hit the ground so hard that they fell flat on their backs and looked like 600 people were dead. That's what it means. And so watch this. As they laid there, once more Jesus asked, Who are you looking for again? Listen, as they, as they stood up, right, like picking themselves off the ground, like I can imagine them trying to find their sword. Nope, that's my helmet. That's not yours, right? Trying to like get their stuff together, right? Heads still spinning, wondering what in the world just happened, right? They, like they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> and I just think, man, what in the world would those people think? And they're, they're probably sitting there going, this guy just overwhelmed and overpowered us with three words. Three words. What's he going to do next? Uh-oh. Right, and Jesus simply replied, he said, look, I told you that I'm the one you're looking for. And we know that he peacefully surrendered, knowing that that was all part of the Father's plan. See, the reason that's important for you and I to know tonight is this, because Jesus said a few chapters earlier, he made this comment. He said this, he said, no man would take his life. Rather, he would lay it down by his own free will. Why is that important? I'll tell you why. Because if they would have went in there and taken Jesus against his will, then that means what they would have done on the cross would have been murder and not a sacrifice. Right? And the only way that you and I, according to God, the only way that you and I can be forgiven is if he voluntarily laid down his life as our ransom. So in addition to that, I want to say one more thing because we need to know this tonight because there is coming a day. Listen, this serves as a great reminder that he wasn't some helpless victim here, but he was the king of glory. Right? Who has been given the name that's above every name, the name that every knee will bow on earth and is in heaven and obviously in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right? Listen, he's powerful.
So I'm just thinking in my head, man, if that happened with 600 men collided with this power, like what would happen if, if you allowed for a moment, if you don't know Jesus, your emptiness to collide with his fullness? Like your hopelessness collide with his hope. Your depression to decline, collide with his joy. Your turmoil and chaos collide with his peace. I'm trying to show you a way out tonight. What would happen if your sickness collided with this healing? If your sorrow and pain collided with this comfort? What would happen tonight if your anger and your bitterness collided with his love? What would happen if your addiction collided with freedom? What would happen if your sin collided with forgiveness? So I'm here to tell you that there's legitimately no need that will ever be in your life that will be greater than his name. Right? And every time we collide with him, and I've done it many times over the years, I always change and he remains the same. All right, let's look at our third and final thought. So this is after Peter cut the man's ear off, it says in verse 11, Jesus ordered Peter, put your sword away. Do you really think I will avoid the suffering which my father has assigned to me? Another translation says it this way, shall I not drink the cup the father has given to me? So the third step I want to see is that Jesus stepped forward fully. Somebody say fully. What am I talking about? I'm trying to tell you tonight, he didn't take a sip. He didn't drink half the cup. Because if he would have taken a sip, drink half the cup, three-fourths of the cup, then that would have meant that, that it would have produced partial forgiveness. Right? The Bible says he drank it all, which means it is that he endured, when they were beating up on him, he endured every ounce of the Father's righteous judgment against our sin, that he paid the price in full so that you and I could be declared not guilty on every account. That's why it's called good news and not some good news. Listen, because there isn't a single sin which he has not already paid the price for. So what you and I have to do is if we don't know him, we simply need to do this. We need to repent. That means say, God, please forgive me, right? God, please forgive me, and and then turn from your ways. Now, as I say all that, I realize there's probably more than one person in this room thinks I'm crazy. That's all right. Maybe. But it's a good kind of crazy. If that's you, listen to what I'm about to say. Uh, at our house, we have a, a can of disinfectant spray. Now, when you got five kids that like to throw up occasionally, you need one of those cans. Might need two sometimes. But listen, if you look really closely at that can, anybody know what kind of can I'm talking about? Come on, wave your hand at me. All right, good deal. Some of y'all clean, y'all clean throw up before. Awesome. Listen, if you look closely, that can, it says this. This spray eliminates odors and kills 99.9% of mildew, mold, viruses on most household surfaces. This is God-honest truth. I can't tell you how many times I've been clean and throw up, and I have thought in the middle of this, what in the world is the 0.1% that this is not killing? (laughs) Am I the only one? Listen, as crazy as that might sound, over the years I have found that um, there's a lot of people in this world that say they believe in Jesus and they say they believe what he did for them, uh, but they believe Jesus' blood is like that disinfectant spray, that it only forgives 99.9% of their sin. Hear me, church. 
they can typically give you a list of sins that they know that they've been forgiven for, but they, uh, but there's typically one, two, or three sins that are kind of like back over there that they think are too big, too, uh, too large, too hard, uh, too strong for Jesus to forgive. And listen, I don't know about you, but I've watched people for years because you're like, okay, how do you know that? Because I watch people live in condemnation. I watch people refuse to move forward. I watch people uh, allow those sins that are way back there to define who they are and become their identity. Like, I, I watch people let those sins control their life. Like, for whatever reason, they're, they're allowing that 0.1% to just kind of still hang in there. Anybody with me tonight? Listen, but I'm here to tell you, if you don't hear anything tonight, hear this one statement. That Jesus stepped forward fully so we could be forgiven completely. He stepped forward fully so we could be forgiven completely. In other words, he drank the whole cup of suffering. He didn't leave a drop. Man, there's not even even residue in there. Right? And so listen, tonight, wherever you're at, there's complete forgiveness available to you if you want it. If you want it. Now, I'm also here to tell you this, and y'all got to hear me, because some of y'all, uh, y'all, y'all are great at coming to church on Easter and, and, uh, and Christmas. Listen, the Jesus that I met 26 years ago, I, I didn't just go, oh, wow, I feel better about myself. No, he wrecked me. Listen, the same blood that forgives can give you a new life if you let him. Amen? All right, with all that in mind, I just want to ask you this. Like, simple question, maybe silly, but is there anybody in here that's just like, man, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that he stepped forward willfully or willingly. Like, I'm glad he stepped forward in authority. Like, I'm glad he stepped forward fully. Like, anybody with me tonight? Like, I'm so pumped. And the reason is, the reason I get excited about today is because I know I am not who I would be or where I'm at if I didn't meet Jesus. I am who I am today because of him. And that's it, right? All right, so let's land this. And what I want to do is I want to, I want to look at one more person's passage of Scripture that we've only kind of mentioned so far. But I want to talk about Peter for a moment. And I'm asking you to open up your heart really wide because I believe Jesus wants to say something to you. Did, did you notice when we read in that scripture, especially when we got down the bottom, like how different Peter acted from Jesus in the garden? Did you notice how different he acted from Jesus in the garden? Listen, while Jesus was clearly focused on this bigger picture, Peter, on the other hand, uh, was too busy allowing his emotions to get the best of him. I know you've never done that. So listen, like, how do we know that? Because the Bible clearly says in verse 10 that, that Peter found a moment that he thought was awesome and he unsheathed his little sword and, and he, right, and he chopped the dude's ear off. Right? Listen, I don't know about you, but that's one of those moments where I read the Bible and I go, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> like, like the truth is, is if I'm honest, I go, you know, we're not that different than him. We're really not. Here's why. 600 armed soldiers just got off the ground. I'll say it again because you need to believe it. 600 soldiers just got off the ground. What am I saying? I'm saying Jesus is a big boy. And he clearly knows how to handle himself. Watch this. And now in this moment as they're getting up, Peter somehow thinks that he can add to what Jesus is already doing. I told you we're like him. 
Now listen, without consulting with Jesus, he swings for this guy's head, right? And either the fella ducked or, or, or Peter's aim was off. I have no clue. But either way, man, this guy's ear got whacked off. Right? And, and so Jesus, right, he, he does what he does so often for you and me. He fixes what Peter messed up in his pride and arrogance. In his own independence, he said, again. Right? So Jesus bends down and he picks up the guy's ear, right? That's the Try to blow a little dirt off of it. Y'all, y'all never done that. Knock some dirt off something, have you? All right. So, anyways, so the dude's ear, and he says, "You know what? Whatever." And, and he and he comes over there, and he puts it back on the guy, and he heals him. It's crazy to think that that the last miracle Jesus ever did was with a guy that hated him, trying to kill him. Isn't that crazy? So he heals the guy. Now, watch this. Here's the whole point I'm trying to make. Is in that moment, like, what's the difference between Peter and Jesus? On that evening, it really boiled down to one thing. Please hear this. Is that Peter tried to fight back. 600 people tried to fight back. He went for a weak one, right? It was the high priest's servant. He didn't go for a guy with a sword. He went for the servant. Just saying. All right. So, so he tried to fight back because why? Because he couldn't see that Jesus had something better for him on the other side of surrender. I need to say that again. Peter couldn't see that Jesus had something better for him on the other side of surrender. See, what the reason Jesus could surrender and not have to fight back was simply because this, because he was looking beyond the moment and he saw Peter's salvation. He saw Peter's freedom. He saw Peter's transformation. He saw Peter fulfilling his purpose. And all Peter could see in the moment was the moment. All those emotions, right? Now, I'm not trying to knock Peter for this because the truth is, is um, I can't tell you how long I ran from God and I fought and I resisted his wooings. Because in my mind, I thought that he didn't have something better for me on the other side of surrender. Like in my heart, here's truth. I desperately, 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 I can't even tell you, desperately wanted forgiveness for my sins. Conviction would come, and, and I would just try my hardest to fight it. And, and so the reason is, is I was, the reason I followed it, because I wasn't willing to step forward fully. Because all I could think about, man, if I step forward fully, what am I going to lose in this exchange? You see, I believe this lie that if I willingly and fully surrender my life to his authority then I'd be lonely and I'm not going to go into details but I wouldn't have the fun anymore that I was having right and so what I did is I held on and I fought for my independence and in doing so I not only just held on to my sin right like if you can imagine I I, I didn't just hold on to my sin you, you know because I was unwilling to move forward I, I kept holding on to shame and guilt anybody with me you know what I'm talking about? Like I, like I wanted what was over there, but I was so afraid to let this go. So I kept holding to my anger and my bitterness, right? I kept holding on to my independence and my pride, my ego. I kept holding on to all that. I kept holding on to all these unhealthy relationships, right? And a whole lot more. And what I didn't understand that is if I was willing to let go, right over there through that cross, there was this thing called abundant life that Jesus came to bring. 
like I didn't understand as long as I held on to this. I couldn't really open up my hands and my heart to understand what real joy, real love, real peace, real life, and blessings that I'm here to tell you 26 years later that have way far surpassed anything that I ever thought when I was so scared to let go of this. So kind of what I want to do tonight, listen, I, I don't, I'm convinced that there's people come to church every week that are right with God. So I don't care how often you come here. Does that mean? No. I say that in love. So let's do ourselves a favor tonight. Let's not get so caught up on, on, on what we may lose. Let's start thinking about what he may want to add. Right? So how does this happen? How do I let go of this so I can get all that came through that cross? It's simply this. i got to be willing to step forward. He's not going to do it for me. See, some people in this room, I'm telling y'all, listen to me. You kind of know enough of this to get your way around. But you don't know the God of this in relationship. Yeah? So listen, he's not going to force you to love him. Second thing you got to do is you got to be willing to step forward and surrender to his authority. In other words, what am I saying? I'm saying that you need to hand him the keys to your life. You need to quit trying to control it. Right? Because he wants to just not be your savior. He wants to be your Lord. Okay? And the last thing is you got to be willing to step forward fully. Did y'all hear me say fully? He wants your whole heart, not just your mess. So let me encourage you in this. Is he, is he scared of your past? No. Is he scared of your doubts? No. Is he scared of your struggles or your addictions? No. Is he scared of your pain or your anger? No. Remember, I told you the blood of Jesus is greater than all of that. Right? But I want to ask you this, because this is what I know about every person in this room. So everybody listen. Everybody listen, please. As I got one single question for you. It is, what's your next step? What is your next step? Because if we realize or not, every single person is going to take a step when they leave this place. It's going to be either closer to Jesus or further away from him. There is really no neutral. So I realize in this room there's folks in here that your next step may be to surrender your life to Jesus for the first time. There's some folks in this room, your, your next step may just be this. It's to simply say, you know what, uh, I was right with God for years, and man, I'm tired of running. I'm not doing that great on my own. Like I'm kind of making a mess of things, so I, I need to come on back home. Right, and then I know there's people in this room, you need to do this. You need to, you know, your next step is simply is that addiction that you've been trying to hide. You don't really hide it that well, by the way. Nobody hides an addiction. Nobody. It always manifests somehow in your life and in the lives of people around you. And so, so maybe your next step is to, is to give that addiction or that sin to him. Maybe your next step is water baptism. If you've never been water baptized, I'm telling you, there's a power that comes in it. Maybe your next step is to forgive somebody that hurt you. That might be a church you went to before. That might be a pastor. It could be your mom. It could be your dad. It could be your brother. It could be one of your kids. Listen, somehow that might be your next step, right? 
Or, or maybe you need to start coming to church on a regular basis. Or maybe you need to end an unhealthy relationship. Like what I don't really know is, is, is your next step could be something you need to stop doing. And it could be something you need to start doing. Like maybe praying. Studying the word. Building healthy relationships. Mend old relationships. Like somewhere along the line, listen, I know there's a next step. And he'll show you if you let him. Amen? So I want to end with, with this quote tonight and we're going to pray in fact you can go ahead and stand to your feet please I recently listened to this book called God Smuggler incredible book and it's about this guy from the Netherlands his, they just call him Brother Andrew okay because you can't really say his Dutch name so anyway so, so Brother Andrew was basically um, running from God. God was putting all kinds of people in his path trying to tell him about him. And he just kept doing what we were talking about tonight. He kept resisting and resisting and resisting and resisting. And then there came a moment where, where God got a hold of him. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like he got you by the nap and neck and you got a choice to make? Yeah. And I want you to listen to the prayer that he prayed because I want us to pray it together tonight. Because once again, I don't know what your step is, but I know you got one, just like I do. So here's the prayer that he prayed the night he gave his life to Jesus. He said this. He said, whenever, wherever, however you want me, I'll go. And I'll begin this very minute, Lord, as I stand up from this place, and as I take my first step forward, will you consider this a step towards complete obedience to you? I'll call it the step of yes. Here to tell you tonight, some of us need a step of yes. Amen. After he said that prayer, God radically changed his life. Incredible miracles in his life of God's provision. And this dude spent the next, I don't know, 50, 60 years smuggling Bibles into communist countries. He died recently. And I'm telling you, that man probably has some incredible rewards waiting for him in heaven. Because he was showing up when people, basically churches that didn't have a Bible. <laughs> it's crazy. To understand that the pastor would have to borrow a page of the Bible from somebody in his congregation just so he'd have something to preach. And this guy said, I got you. God will make a way. And God did. So here's what we're going to do tonight. I'm telling you, that guy ain't nobody special. He's just a man that loved Jesus. And Jesus made him special. He's got a plan for your life. But you got to do this. You got to let go of this. And you got to embrace that. Amen. If you can't close your eyes, I'm going to pray this prayer. And you can kind of do your own words in your own heart. And I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, tonight we say, whenever, wherever, however you want me, I'll go. And I'll begin this very minute, Lord, as I stand up from this place. And as I take my first step forward, will you consider this a step towards complete obedience to you? God, tonight we call it a step of yes. Jesus, tonight. 
whoever's in this room that needs to say yes to you for the first time. God, we thank you that you died for them. God, we thank you that as they're opening up their heart, even this moment, God, you're meeting them there. God, we praise you tonight and we thank you for a blood that washes us white as snow. God, we thank you for a resurrection life that allows you to come and live inside of us with power. So, Lord, I thank you tonight, God, that whatever sin that's been holding folks back, that it be broken now in Jesus' name. Father, whatever sickness needs to be healed, God, we thank you that it is healed now in Jesus' name. Father, whatever needs to be restored and let go of, Lord, we do it now in Jesus' name. God, we declare, God, there's a yes. There's a yes in our heart, God. Whatever you want, whatever you want to do, wherever you want to go, we declare tonight that you are not only our Savior, but our Lord. We're tired of playing games. We're tired of circling the same mountains. God, we want to go forward in you. So God, tonight we give you our whole heart. Willingly, we submit to your authority. And we do it fully, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.